Good evening, one and all. Welcome to the various Pink and Channels. Wherever this finds you, I hope it finds you safe and well. Uh, we're looking ahead to Norwich City's game against Derby County this weekend. Carrow Road, Saturday uh, in the Championship. Norwich City, of course, looking to respond to uh, that defeat to, against Bournemouth um, with a win against Derby. Derby, of course, looking to record their first uh, point this season after three straight defeats. One of them, uh, their most recent, probably more hurtful than most. And I'm going to be joined, once I press this button, by Mr Ian Gabelli, Norwich City fan, and uh, Corey Hancock from the Rams Review podcast. Ian, uh, let's let's start with you. Um, ha- how are you doing? It's been uh, a lively week, I think I'll describe yeah. it. As, as, as a Norwich fan, how, how have you found it? I've kind of taken myself away for two days, thinking I'll come back to sort of nice, um, tranquil, calm. Um, it, it seems to be anything but. How, how are you, as a Norwich fan, thinking, dealing with it all, I guess? Um, just a bit. I don't know. It's just a bit frustrating. As we all, we just want this transfer window to shut. So we know who we've got, who we can play with, what team selections we can pick, and stuff. It's just every day there's more, you know, situations with different clubs wanting our players. We don't know if they're going to stay. So, you know. Yeah, it kind of feels like, for various different reasons, the mood between both of these clubs maybe isn't the most positive going into this weekend. Corey, we'll we'll come to you now. Thank you very much for for joining us all the way from uh, across across the seas. Firstly, how are you? Um, secondly, how has this week been for you guys? Because you're obviously coming into this game off the back of a four 0 defeat, which we'll delve into um, in a moment. But um, for for various reasons, it, it doesn't look too rosy in um, the world of of the Rams at the moment. Yeah, Connor, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, um, I'm well, you know, everything's everything's good here. Um, but in terms of being a Derby fan, it, it's it's a bit difficult. Um, anytime you lose 4-0 at home, it's bad. But when you look at the performance that the the team put in as well, it makes it even more difficult to, to kind of swallow as well because obviously you look forward to a Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock, whatever time kickoff to um, really enjoy yourself and you want your team to go out and express themselves and, and they didn't on Saturday, so it's been a bit. It's been a bit. Um, I wouldn't say a poor week, but there's been a lot of negativity on social media and things like that about the manager and the performances and and whatever. And I don't necessarily agree with it all, but you know, um, everything coming out of the club seems relatively still relatively positive um, for the most part. Yeah, we'll, we'll delve into that defeat and, and perhaps the outlook in a moment because it's um, it's always really intriguing, I think, when a, when a team loses by such a significant margin. I'll try not to repeat that too much over the next half an hour because uh, Norwich fans know all too well perhaps how, how painful it is when you lose a game like that and maybe the questions that follow. Um, Ian, let's 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 come to you then. Um, let's let's start by, before we delve into the, the transfer activities, which are, uh, as I can see, already dominating the... Uh, the, the comments that we have already on, on the stream. Um, how did you reflect on that performance? Because it seems to me like it's a performance that's kind of split supporters straight down the middle. So which part of the divide, I guess, are you on? Did you see it as encouraging or, or maybe as, as, a, as a poor performance overall? I don't know. I mean, at first, I wasn't happy at all. Um, second half, yeah, it was good. But for me, I kind of felt like it was like, say, for Christmas Day, you'd come down, load the Christmas presents under the tree, open them, nothing in the box. <laughs> you, know, you get all excited you see things oh something's going to be good something's going to happen nothing really did um but the signs were there it was more encouraging probably our best 45 of the season which is a positive but at the same time we didn't really look like scoring so which is again worrying 
But mm. Suns are looking good. If we can carry on like that, we'll probably we'll win more than we lose, hopefully, if we get some more attacking players playing up front towards. Yeah, I, I kind of made the point that they'll play worse this season and, and, mm. and win. And I think we probably saw that against Huddersfield in the opening game, to be fair, particularly in that second half. And you talk about um, nothing being in the box there. Is is the answer either Adam Eder or, or Jordan Hugill? Because we saw Norwich sort of bombard the box with crosses, during, the, uh, particularly in, in the second half. Um, perhaps the team who Pukin, it didn't quite feel like it quite matched up. Well, yeah, certainly. If we're going to, because I think we put the most crosses in for a couple of years, I think, of that one game. And if we're going to carry on that way, we need someone like Jordan Eagle getting on the end of crosses and you know, laying it down to Pookie or getting ahead and onto goal or something. Because it just wasn't working on Pookie. He's not like he's not a target man, is he? No, he, he certainly isn't. It's uh, it's going to be intriguing to see if Daniel Farker sort of goes with that approach and, and maybe with a different striker. I can see maybe Timmy Pookie dropping back into a number 10 position or so. 10, um, yeah. We'll reflect more on, on Bournemouth in a moment. Um, Corey, let's, let's come to you then. Where do, where do we really start with Derby County? A 4-0 defeat last weekend, but without a point so far this season. Is it as bad as the performances, perhaps as bad as, as the results would suggest? I think in a way, yes. Um, I wouldn't be as concerned about the, you know, no points on the board if the performances had been better. Um, but, you know, Derby kicked off their season with a League Cup game against Barrow. And it was the first, you know, obviously just been promoted from the National League, New League Two team. Um, and it took to penalties to try and get, you know, to, to, to win the game. Um, against Blackburn, I wouldn't necessarily... Blackburn wiped the floor with Darby for about 15, 20 minutes. Um, Darby looked like they started the game off really well. And then three goals in, I think it was like eight minutes or something like that, and the game was gone. And then since then, there was really no... There didn't seem to be any fight or desire or passion to try to, you know, anyone... Really grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck to try and and get back into the game. And some of the performances have just not necessarily been there um, this season. Like you say, it's fun you, um, like Ian alluded to, you know, if, if, you, if you're playing, you're, you're playing okay and you're not getting results, that's acceptable. But sometimes when you're not performing and you're not getting the results, that's kind of when the worrying signs are. And I think for us, we always look and we go, okay, what's uh, for me and, and for us at the podcast, we always look at see what we can see week on week improvement. And we don't necessarily see the week on week improvement, and that's starting to be a worrying sign. Mm, absolutely, and, and it is at this stage of the season. I, I've kind of come up with a new phrase, which I've repeated a few times, which is comments, not conclusions, at this stage, because it's it's so early to sort of try and draw any trends out of performances. But <laughs> across, across these three games, is there amongst the fans perhaps uh, a concern? I mean, you said there maybe the performances haven't been there. Is a concern about maybe the direction that, that Philip Koku is, is taking Derby County in? Because I think it was kind of, well, certainly from the outside last year, as maybe a, a year of transition. Is is that fair? Yeah, I think it was a year of transition last year, obviously. And I think a lot of things went pear-shaped very quickly for Derby. Obviously, um, Frank Lampard left and went to Chelsea late on in the window. Um, that kind of dragged on. Um, the, the, the Derby team were already in Florida in preseason. Kaku came in, wasn't able to necessarily get his first and second choice targets. Then it pivoted to, to signing, you know, a, a certain player who was former England captain, all-time record goal scorer and stuff like that. So that kind of did it. They had the off-the-field incident. So this year it kind of felt like, okay, he kind of went through his bumps and then um, you've got the – the continuation through preseason, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see, and and you're going to see this continue to build. And from January onward, Derby were one of the form teams in the championship. Lockdown happened. Um, they played well in the first couple of games after lockdown. And then after that, they were just really, really poor. 
I don't know whether it was burnout or whatever. And so everyone thought, okay, that was a little blip. We'll just continue to build on what they saw from, from January really till, till March, April or whatnot. And, and everything will come through. But the preseason this season has been very strange because a lot of the Darby's had, the Darby's had a lot of injuries and they've all been concentrated in the attacking third. Um, so really his first choice 11 hasn't really been on the field. The preseason results didn't really go any, any way really for Darby. They were all relatively poor results. Um, and then kind of the, the season, you know, is kind of just been limping along really. And I think it's kind of like, you need to wait for the reinforcements and the injuries to come back. And in terms of Philip Kaku, I think right now it's a 50, 50 split amongst the fan base. I mean, everybody was, everybody was on board with him last year. Um, and his remit from the owner was to have 50% of the first team at some point be made up of players from the Academy and Darby's got a very good Academy. And so he's doing that. But when doing that young players, you're going to have really great peaks with them and you're going to have really low troughs with them as well. And I think some of those players have dipped in form. Um, and anytime you're going to lose four nil, there's going to be calls for the manager to be out that coupled with the fact of several other poor performances. But for me personally, I mean, um, and, and for us at the podcast, you know, Philip Cock has got a long-term deal at Derby. Uh, it's like a three, four five year deal, something like that. So he's got a long, long way to go. The owner seems to have backed him with plenty of signings so far this season, his remits to bring through the youth players. He knows how to do that. Um, and again, the financial aspect of sacking a manager on a long-term deal, that's going to cost a lot of money. And, and I'm sure you guys well know Derby fly very close to the way, uh, very close to the sun when it comes to terms of finances with the FFP and everything like that. So Financially, does it necessarily make sense? Not sure. And Darby have also been very trigger happy in the in the, uh, in the short to medium term with managers, not necessarily giving them a lot of time to kind of come in and embed their ideas. You know, Nigel Pearson was at Darby for like three months, fired. Paul Clement was there, got him got him in third place, fired, didn't make the playoffs. And and so it, it Kaku, I, I think personally needs the time to continue to grow and develop. But any time, Connor Ian when performances and results are not going your way. I mean, football is a funny game and I could be sitting here next week with face because he's in the unemployment line. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we have to an extent, <clears throat> I guess, already seen perhaps some Norwich fans uh, perhaps question the position of, of, of Daniel Farker as well, although maybe not on the, on a large term scale yet, which I think after three games is um, perhaps fairly ridiculous. I think dependent on well, whatever the results really. Um, Ian, I'm, I'm going to come to this comment from, from Craig Brown. Evening, Craig. Thanks for watching. Uh, he's, he's kicked us off very nicely with um, perhaps a discussion that I've, I've kind of put off for 12 minutes, which I'm quite, quite pleased about, which is um, Ben Godfrey and, and the Everton speculation. Mm-hmm. Of course, a, a £26 million pound bid. That's, that's about £20 million and, and £6 million on add-ons, mm-hmm. we believe. Uh, has that been accepted? Um, it, as of this afternoon, uh, Norwich City did reject that bid. Pinkin.com is, is the place to go to get all of the details on that. Um, I think Norwich value him slightly higher, as, as we have seen. Um, Ian, the, the question I'm going to ask you is, how much does this speculation derail aside, I guess. I think we've already seen the uncertainty from last weekend when Emmy Buendia and, and Todd Campwell weren't in, in the travelling sort of party that <laughs> Bournemouth as, as Norwich lost that game. And obviously the, mm. the comments from Daniel Farker subsequently are, are around attitude. Are, are you in the same camp as Daniel Farker and, and you're just longing for the transfer window, like I guess most Norwich fans at the moment are to end? And as, as a secondary question, how big a loss would, would Ben Godfrey be to, to Norwich City at this stage? Um, well, first of all, I think if that move did happen, it would be <clears throat> a very good fit for him. Um, but yes, I can't wait for this window to close. 
it's just like I said, it's every single day. One and that other big club gets linked to someone, someone Barcelona, whoever. Um, as in for, would it be a big loss? I don't know. I don't. It all depends because all four centre backs we have are so injury prone. Um, so if they stay fit, then the answer is probably no. I don't think he would be such a big miss. But if he goes and then closer Gibson get injured in training, then that's a totally different story. So it all depends on the other four. If they stay fit, then I don't think it's too much of a miss. Not for the money we'll get anyways. That's it, isn't it? Key is, is is the fee. And Norwich, I think, have, have always said that if there was an offer that blew them away, then they that they would sell essentially. And I wonder if we'll get to that stage with Everton. But it's um it's it's going to be very interesting indeed. Um how, how much did you feel last weekend that Norwich actually missed Todd Cantwell and Emmy Buendia? It seemed to me as I sort of sat in Dean Court with the sun in my eyes, worrying about sunburn, which was ironic given the weather in Norfolk last weekend. Um yeah, yeah. How much did Norwich miss that that number ten figure? Because it was all very <clears throat> tea and all very effective up to the final third. But as soon as it sort mm-hmm. of got to that stage, it, it just felt a little bit stuck. Yeah, well, that's what I said. This thing like there's nothing in that box. There's nothing. We played good football up there. I think Skip had a great game, but then he hadn't. He didn't really have anything in that centre, like Emmy, just to pull pull the strings or the little passes he does. Even even the Stephen, I was surprised he wasn't even in the eighteen. We just. We lack something, especially with Pookie up front. He, he needs them little through balls. Crosses into the box is going to be no good for him at all. So we definitely miss one or both of them, to be honest. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see if they do come back this weekend. As uh, Ran Sky has, has commented on YouTube, uh, what are the chances that we see Buendia or Campwell this weekend? They were both in training pictures and both smiling. The club don't uh, mm-hmm. don't uh, throw these things together. They're, they're very, very safe. Clever. I would suggest. Um, Corey, how are you feeling ahead of this weekend? Because as, as as we've mentioned, it's not been the best start to the season, but like Norwich's performance against Bournemouth, have you seen enough sort of roots, I guess, to suggest that the performances could improve in the coming weeks? Yeah, I think um, from what I understand today, there were reports that uh, Philip Kaku had an hour-long team meeting um, with, the, with the team at, at Moore Farm, the training facility, behind closed doors, no phones, no internet, no computers, no cameras, any, nothing like that. And they just kind of hashed it out, I think. And I think those things are kind of, um, it's a bit early to be caught hitting the panic button, but I think it's good that they've kind of caught it early in the performances. I mean, Darby have enough experience players in the side with Wayne Rooney and Curtis Davis and Andre with um, David Marshall um, that have been there and done it and been around the block. So they know that the performances aren't good enough. Wayne Rooney came out afterward and he said that it wasn't good enough. Um, and I would hold hope that Darby, you know, can get better because if there's a worse performance, um, then I would be hard. I would, I would, I would be hard pressed to to know what that result would look like. Um, but yeah, I mean, performances haven't been good enough, and I think there are enough shoots because Darby do have two players to go out there and to perform. And I think they just need a little bit of confidence. They just need a little bit of motivation. And I do think that once Darby get, you know, once they get a goal, once they get head in the game by a goal, um, you know, they'll be able to kick on with a bit more confidence. But like any other team, when you continually lose in and, and, and obviously you read in the, the negativity and stuff, it's going to affect you. But for me, if they're going to get ahead, um, they'll, be, they'll be significantly better for it. And I think they can go into the game and be, um, be strong contenders to get a result. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and I'm, I'm afraid probably going to have to throw the question that perhaps you expected. Uh, oh, we seem to have uh, seem to have lost Corey there. Hopefully we can get back. Ian, I'll, I'll come to you in that case then. Yeah. Um, I, I'll ask you a similar question, which is, 
um, all about Wayne Rooney. And, and obviously, he's a, a household name in football, isn't he? Hopefully, we've, we've got Corey back now. Um, there we go. But, but Ian, let's, let's, let's speak about Wayne Rooney before I throw it over to Corey. Um, what, what do you make of him still? He's, he's in a, a period of his career where, where perhaps many people don't consider him the player he once was. Obviously, he's in, in the Championship, which is a, a seismic drop down from perhaps the level he, he once was at, at Manchester United. And Craig has, has again kind of summed it up nicely on Facebook. Is he a player still in in the period of his career that he is that that you fear because he, he seems to have taken up a, a, a midfield role at Derby? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to respect the name. It's Wayne Rooney. I mean, whatever you think of him, if you see him, if the players see him in the tunnel, they're gonna, you know, just <laughs> Rooney on the back of the shirt. They're gonna know. And to be fair, the deeper role, I think, not seeing him too often recently, obviously, but just pinging them balls out. He doesn't need to be stupid fit anymore. He doesn't need to be running up and down or pinging them balls. That's why you know, I think that role is doing quite well. Mm. And and of course, it's, it's often the intangibles, isn't it, that he offers in mm. terms of Derby have a, a real core of young players, as I'll, I'll pick Corey's brains about in a minute, um, which uh, which I think is, is maybe where his strengths lie these days. Corey, let's let's come to you then. Um, Wayne Rooney, how, what sort of role has he played at Derby? Because I think there's this view sort of externally, whether it's right or wrong, that he's kind of hanging about until that managerial vacancy comes up. Whether that's right or not, I guess we'll never know. But how how have his performances been since he signed for Derby? A bit of a mixed bag. I think when he when he first came in to Derby, um, he, he wasn't supposed to report until just before Christmas, but he reported well over a month early last season to to get with the lads and to train with them and everything like that. Um, then he couldn't play till January. He did. He set up Jack Marriott's goal and he finished the season, I think, with five or six goals and five or six assists. And I think his, his production was really, really, really good up until lockdown. After lockdown, he scored a really good free kick against Preston. Um, but then towards the end of the, after that, you know, kind of sprint of nine games, the last four or five games, he was kind of poor. He was struggling to find sometimes a, a white shirt, um, you know, which you can put down to maybe fatigue or, you know, maybe the games are starting to catch up with him. Um and, he, and he's gone into this season. He didn't really play much in preseason with, with some sort of injury, whether it was a back injury or something like that. He managed at soccer aid. Um, and he's come back into the side, and he's not really looked the same player that he was when he first arrived at Derby. He looks a little heavier. He doesn't look as fit. Um, and, and it's a bit of a concern because you expect, like you say, Ian, you know, he's Wayne Rooney. You expect something when he pulls that shirt. And I think teams are starting to set up a little bit differently against Derby now. I think before they were kind of fearful of Rooney where they, you know, man mark him and things like that. That would leave some other players open. But now it's just kind of he's just another player at Derby County kind of thing. I mean, it's still surreal. Don't get me wrong to see Wayne Rooney um, in a Derby County shirt. Never thought in my wildest dreams, even on FIFA, that I'd <laughs> in, um, in a Derby shirt. But, you know, the thing is, is that, he can be unfit. He he doesn't necessarily run a lot. And in black gets Blackburn. He didn't necessarily show the leadership qualities I would have expected from him in terms of yelling at players and trying to G him up and stuff like that. But he's got that moment of quality. He's got that touch of class. I mean, any kind of penalty he's take any, any kind of penalty, any penalty, he's going to take it any kind of free kick anywhere near, you know, he's going to be taking that. He takes the corners and he's got that extra little bit of quality, especially on set pieces that can sometimes decide a game. And I think if, He's one of those players that if you don't cover, then he can hurt you. Um, but you can you can now these days mark him out of the mark him out of the game. And and, and to your other question, Connor, yeah, 
Darby's been mostly deploying him as a deep lying midfielder. Um, they want him to spray passes around and everything like that. And he was brought in with, okay, this is where he's going to play. He needs to settle a position. This is where he's going to play. But in recent, like I mentioned, with the injuries to the attacking the attacking players, there's been a desperate need up front for another striker because Jack Marriott sometimes gets fetched off and things like that. They've put Rooney, they've deployed him as a striker in a couple games. They've put him as a number 10 in a few games. And I don't necessarily think that those two positions are really good for him at this stage of his career. I think he needs to stay in that holding midfielder, deep lying, not holding midfielder, deep lying midfielder, creative playmaker kind of role. And if there is a need further up the field, find another play to plug that gap because Rooney just needs to concentrate on doing that job. But I mean, it's surreal, but I think this season and after lockdown, he's been a bit of a disappointment, if I'm honest, in terms of his performances and things like that. Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on there. Maybe physically the, b- the best days are behind him. And that is why I think you're, you're spot on. He does suit that role. But equally, as, and again, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of he does have that quality in, in, his, in, his, in, his, in his feet, doesn't he? To, to produce a, a, a moment that can win a championship game, which at this level is, is pivotal. And, and often the difference between maybe one point and, and, and three uh, and equally maybe zero points and one. So it, it, it's an essential player to have. Ian, uh, from, from Derby's midfielder and moving on to Norwich's, um, there's, uh, again, an interesting comment from Craig Brown, which I, I'll flash up here and read. Um, he said, I would have Tetty in midfield instead of Lucas Rupp. Tetty's bigger and stronger than Rupp. We need Tetty to protect the defence. Rupp did not do that against Bournemouth. Uh, we look more openly defensively with Rupp, uh, um, with Rupp in midfield. And then uh, I'm going to come on to another comment by uh, Seca Rich on Facebook as well, who said Mario Vrancic was more creative than Kenny McLean and Ke- and Ollie Skip put together. So that leads me to this question. How do you see Norwich City setting up in midfield to maybe, again, improve that area that we spoke about in terms of maybe injecting a bit more creativity into their into their attack? Um, well, I've, I've personally gone for Skip and Vrancic together um but i see skip and rook being together for the reason of i think it was the first instead of Teddy, yeah to um combat rooney a little bit more um but i think skip can do that on his own now anyway like we said rooney isn't what he used to be and skip probably half his age so he can he can do the running and shield uh rooney good enough so that's why i put i put vantage in for that creativity like i think it was rich rich who said yeah so i think skip and Branch it would do the job good enough. Interesting. I, I know the club or Daniel Farker maybe sees him a, a bit more as a number 10 these days. He did show, and, and again, there was a statistic on Twitter, wasn't there, about his, the chances he created after he came on against Bournemouth? 21, I think. Yeah, exactly. Is is there an argument that he needs to play, but equally he probably needs players around him like a Lucas Whip, like a Kenny McLean, to provide the mobility and to provide the energy that maybe he doesn't necessarily have? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. But I think just watching Skip against Bournemouth, I think he can do that easily. He was all over the pitch. He was that, he played that role on his own. And what was it, 4 1 4 1? And I think he's done that whole back line good enough on his own. I think he can, he's more than combative enough to be able to do that and you know, look after Branson, so to speak. Mm, yeah, and, and I think, again, he's another one. We talk about Wayne Rooney in terms of the quality that he produces. Mario Vrancic had a, a free kick yeah. in his locker that can win any game. As, and all oh, rest yeah, exactly. against uh, Sheffield Wednesday in that title-winning season. Um, Corey, just to come to you, there's been a couple of major sales at Derby County that, um, again, I haven't, I haven't seen too much of Derby. I've, I've kind of been doing research this week and um, it kind of feels those fallback areas after the loss of 
of, of Lowe and Bogle to, to Sheffield United. They have kind of made Derby County's defence a lot weaker. I know a lot of a lot of fans are a bit concerned about that defensive setup. Would you say that those fullback areas are a position of, of real weakness for, for you guys? I think in a way, yes. I think, you know, Jaden Bogle and Max Lowe, um, Derby fans love them because they came through the academy um, and, and they were solid championship players. But the defense was a concern last season. But I think when you look at the sale of them and you're getting anywhere between the range of nine to 15 million, depending on who you read for getting Bogle and Lowe, you know, that helps in terms of rebuilding the squad overall. And there were a lot more gaps as well for Darby. Um, they've, they've got Nathan Vernon from Wigan. Um, he was about less than half a million pounds. So, you know, straight swap for Bogle, maybe not at the same level, but you're getting someone close to that. They brought in former Norwich player, David Marshall from Wigan for next to nothing um, as well. He'll solidify the goalkeeping position, which um, was a concern last year uh, to say the least for Derby fans with Keller Roos and Ben Hamer. Um, Darby brought in Mike Tavirik from Groning in uh, the Holland from the Netherlands on a free that was announced prior to lockdown. Um, but he's not necessarily showed his class yet. He's still adjusting to um, English football. He's still adjusting to how to defend when the ball comes over the top of his head. Um, so it's not, you know, not Virgil van Mike, like a lot of the Darby fans have been suggesting that he was it's just Mike Tavirik. Um, you know, Darby were able to bring back player of the season uh, last season, Matt Clark on loan from Brighton. And he's been, you know, he was a, obviously one player of the season. He was fantastic last season, but he's not been playing as much this season because Philip Cocky said, you know, he needs to readjust the way they, they play. So he'll play. Um, he's been playing uh, Andre Wisdom in that position or George Evans. And then they've got, you know, at left fullback, they've, they got rid of Scott Malone. They got rid of, like I said, Max Lowe. Um, and so it's, it's basically a battle for the shirt between Craig Forsyth and Lee Buchanan. Positives is Craig Forsyth, great Derby servant, very good defensively, decent going back, but he's had several ACL injuries, isn't the same player that he was five or six years ago. Lee Buchanan's young, he's got a lot of potential, he's got a bit of pace. Positionally, he was caught out and he had a torrid, he had an absolute torrid. I would I want to say, I want to be kind to him and say maybe he had a torrid hour against Blackburn, but um he had, he had a pretty poor game. So I would maybe be surprised um seeing him in the side for tomorrow, but defense is always a concern when you're leaking goals. And if you look back at the game against Blackburn Rovers, some of the mistakes Darby made defensively, there were schoolboy errors. You wouldn't see that on a Sunday league team. And I'm not trying to be rude. It's just the way, it's just the way you see it, you know? Um, and it's just, there's just, there's just a lot of chopping and changing. So I don't necessarily know, you know, I would expect him to kind of go out with the same. I would expect to see Matt Clark in the side ahead of Andre wisdom at the, against Norwich at the weekend. But defensively, it is a little bit of concern, especially when, it's fine conceding goals. I mean, Bradley Johnson's 30-yard screamer, there's nothing you can do about it. Some of the other goals are just, it's just bad defending. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. And I guess that's the concern as well. Um, Marshall's done solid. He seems like he's really solidifying the goalkeeper spot. But when you're facing the amount of shots, he is sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a bit of concern. But I think I think there's just, con there's just a little bit of concern everywhere on the pitch because the team necessarily hasn't started to gel and produce and, and purr and hum like we know they can do when they were playing, you know, from the turn of 2020 on to lockdown.
Mm. I, I know you guys have obviously brought in Wayne Mooney, which we've discussed, and there's also a, a sort of plethora of, of, of really good young talent there, particularly in sort of midfield positions. It's Sibley and Bird, aren't they? It seems to be catching the eye in particular. Does it does it kind of feel like maybe Derby fans have to expect a few more of these experienced players to leave? Scott Malone, another one you named there, seasoned championship operator, to maybe allow these young players, like those guys I've just mentioned, like the ones you've mentioned as well, to almost blossom and, and as you said there, to gel and to maybe get up to the standard that they need to be for Derby to, to succeed in the championship? Actually, Connor, I don't think so. I think that, you know, Derby right now, when you look at their starting 11, they have um, four or five youth academy players, or sorry, academy graduates in the side. I mean, they finished West Brom last season with nine on the nine academy graduates on the field. Um, let's not talk about the West Brom game and how that ended, but um, let's, please don't, let's, let's not go for that. Um, but, you know, when you look at the team, <clears throat> Philip Kaku is very brave in a way to play these young players because oftentimes you see championship managers. I need a result. I've got to go to my senior players. I've got to get these. And they, and they, and they kind of stonewalled. I mean, he's got a winger that Frank Lampard brought in from Brentford for two and a half million pounds. Florian Yazef Zun. Um, he doesn't even have a squad number because they feel like they've got better players in those positions and in the squad, especially with the youth players coming through that they don't need him. Um, you're right. Max, Max Bird, Louis Sibley. They're two names that are high on, high on the list at Derby. Excuse me. Um, Jason Knight of well is another is another is another player. Six goals last season from midfield, young Irish player. Morgan Whitaker, he gets games. He's kind of a winger slash center forward kind of hybrid. They've got Jamal Hector Ingram, who's a little older, brought in from West Ham last summer. He's on the cusp. Jordan Brown in defense has played, you know, a few games sparingly. I think he plays center defense, holding midfield, something like that. Lee Buchanan. Uh, and they've got some young players coming through as well in the under-21s that hopefully can break through before the end of the season. But I don't think it's necessarily a, you know, these players have to leave for these other players to get chances. They're getting chances now. They're getting, they're playing um, a large amount of minutes. They're playing a lot of time. And that's that can only be good for the club long-term. And either you get a fantastic player or they do well and you sell them on. And then you can buy their players hopefully later on. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a lot of, it's a lot of those factors. And it's just, it's great to see the young players, but like I said earlier, you're going to get dips in form as well as you get the highs, you're going to get the lows. And right now it just kind of seems a lot of them are, are kind of hurting for confidence, but the talent, the talent and the abilities there. And like, you know, we've been talking about Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney and that leadership group, Curtis Davis, David Marshall in there. There's a lot of senior pros to help them through this. I mean, Wayne Rooney's been there and he's done it. He was a, you know, a prodigy as a teenager. So he can help a lot of these players and what they're experiencing. And you would hope that, um, they can they can continue to do this, and I know Philip Koku's got a track record of bringing through youth players. He's done it to great um, effect at PSV Eindhoven, and and so I think in a way he's a bit a trusted pair of hands that he's that he's going to hopefully be able to mature these players in the right way. Mm. Ian, from from what Corey has said there, I I think there's there's plenty of parallels you can maybe draw between the approach Norwich City have taken under Stuart and Daniel Farker in in the last few seasons, and maybe the one that that Derby are trying to do. But as Norwich fans are currently seeing, you bring through a, a crop of talented academy graduates, mm. and it's it's not too long before people consider you right for picking. No, not at all. I don't think that's a that's a bad thing because I think you mentioned Louis Sibley. I've seen him a few times, and he's a cracking little player. Um, I mean, the parallels are the same. Maybe like when we when Fargo first came in, I think what we finished 14th, 15th. Um, so, so maybe it could be the same for Derby this season. Just you know, just take the season, just blood in the young guys, and then and let, you know just just get their name out there. Just give them, give them game time, and then the start of next season, if you bring in a couple more experienced players, 
these guys here would have a season, two seasons in the championship. Uh, to any benefit them, of course. And you never know they could have a season like we did when we got promoted. And then, and then you would sell the youngsters for a bunch of money like we hopefully will do before the bloody window closes. Or push on, or push on in the Premiership, like unfortunately we can do. So I, th- I think it's good for Derby just just carry on with these youngsters and just see where it can take them. I liked your uh, I liked your Daniel Farker quote there about the <laughs> transfer window. Uh, yeah. as, as a second question, Steve Jones on on Facebook has simply said, "Along come Norwich." Now I think we we know maybe he's not too familiar with this concept. Uh, essentially, this is about a team being a little bit out of form. Sometimes it's a, a, a guy who hasn't scored in a while, and then they play Norwich, and that run seems to end. Um, which which is why Norwich fans have, have adopted this phrase. Is actually a the fan group called Along Come Norwich. Um, Ian, are you slightly fearful that um, it could be a, a case for Along Come Norwich syndrome this weekend? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, you earlier, the more um, worried and pessimist and, uh, Derby fans are, that just gets me even more worried. Because, um, especially when Corey Menton, they've now got David Marshall in goal, uh, a former Norwich player. He's going to have the game of his life on Saturday. Um, you can just tell. So, as he said, Along Come Norwich, is, you know, you just... Just what we do, and and this 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 kind of two ways, isn't there, from a Norwich perspective to look at it? And I'll come to Corey about how he's looking at it in a minute. But you look at a side who lost four 0 and there's uh, there's the expectation amongst fans that that should be three points, that should be a win. But equally, you can face a side as we talked about off camera right at the start. You can face a side that actually comes to Carrow Road wanting to prove a point, are very motivated, and actually, as Corey there uh, said, there have sort of been on the end of some really. I don't know if I'd use the word heart to heart. That's probably a bit too emotional, but certainly um, passionate discussions amongst themselves and might come to Carrow Road a little bit fiery. So it's not always the best case to go into a game against a side who have just lost uh, fairly significantly. Mm. Well, yeah, of course. I like we saw against um, uh, Bournemouth, if they put a back five, and especially we don't have Emmy, Todd, or anyone other, we're just not going to get through them. So if, if Cottage had that little heart to heart, as you said, with them, and they come in to sit, I'm not going to say they park the bus, because I don't think Derby are necessarily a team like that. But if they sit back with five, and it gets to 60 minutes, 60, 70 minutes, it's nil-nil. You know, it's only going to go one way. Mm, it is. And I, I wonder if we'll see uh, Jordan Hugel, if that's the case, a bit earlier this weekend. Um, Corey, we, we've kind of said it there from a Norwich perspective about maybe the two ways to look at it. How do you look at it as a Derby fan? Are you concerned after what you saw last week? Or again, are you kind of hoping and, and maybe expecting to see a reaction a little bit and in turn that might lead to a result sometimes as we saw with Southampton last season in the Premier League a, a, a bigger loss can actually provoke something within the players and actually get a little bit more out of them yeah I would say Connor that I'm cautiously optimistic about the weekend I mean obviously I think for me more important than the result obviously I think you want to get points on the on the board as soon as possible don't don't get me wrong I understand that you got to get points on the board but for me it's I want to see the performance improve, even if even ever so slightly. I just want to see the uptick in performance. I want to see the the desire, the work rate, um, the willingness to to be involved and to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and and to do these various different things. I want to see that more than what was against Blackburn because it was sorely lacking. Um, yeah, I mean, I would expect a hard fought game, um, you know, but yeah, it's just it's just it's. It's, I want to say that Derby's going to do well and along come Norwich because I can get on that bandwagon. You know, I've been taking points all day long for Derby. That's fine. Along come Norwich. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's about it's about the performance, and I want to see the performance get better. I want to see some of these players start to play themselves into form. Um, I'd like to see Rooney have a little bit more of an impact. <clears throat> I do think that Wayne Rooney, when he plays, when he when he when he's when he's playing better, it definitely helps his midfield partner and Max Bird play better as well because Bird's form's kind of suffered as soon as Rooney's form started to go downhill as well. And so I'd like to like to see them. I'd like to see the young players get involved a little bit. You know, Ian said he's seen Louis Sibley several times, and Louis Sibley's a fantastic talent. We all saw his hat trick against Millwall. Amazing, amazing stuff. And he ended up with the season with five goals. Fantastic. But he's hardly been mentioned at all this season. Um, teams are just kind of marking him out. And I'd like to see him kind of start, you know, start grabbing games by the scruff of the neck and start being the player that we know that he is, um, whether that's more confidence or whatever. And, and you know, Max Bird start playing with more potential. And I think once we start seeing that, the team will come good. So for me, I'm just looking solely from a performance point of view in terms of hopefully the team can, you know, look a little bit more defensive solidly, passing's a little bit quicker, a little bit more attacking threat and things like that. And I think Darby, for me, that would be, that would be a successful weekend if I'm watching that. Brilliant. It's been uh, absolutely fascinating to get your views. We'll, we'll end up then with uh, the the moment that, that we all like. And, uh, and I know I've been on your podcast, Corey, so you, you've heard my score, score prediction for this game. But Ian, we'll, we'll come to you first. Um, how, how do you see this game going and, and, and what are you expecting in terms of a result? Uh, well, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because if, if the Emmy and Todd come back in, I think, I think it'll be about 3-1 because we all know Darby going to score. Everyone always scores against us. <laughs> um, unfortunately, um, but if them two aren't playing, I don't, I'm going to go one all. But I'm going to stick to I think a three one because I, I think Emmy and Todd will come back in, um, and then maybe Gibson will come back in, shore up a little bit. Um, so yeah, three one. I love your optimism, Corey. We'll, we'll come to you. I'm intrigued to see if more than anything if you're getting more positive as the days go by. So, um, <laughs> what, what are you expecting from from this weekend? How do you see it going for Derby? You're relying me. You're relying on me, Connor, to remember what my score prediction was the other day. I can't remember mine. I'm completely wrong. <laughs> um, I'm going to stick with my original score prediction and say two-two. Um, I would hope that the hour-long, as you say, heart-to-heart. Um, I will use those emotional terms because I think that's what was impassioned heart-to-heart conversation. Um, you know, bodes well for the players. I think that hopefully they can get a bit more attacking intent. Um, some of the attacking players that Darby have signed, hopefully they start gelling more with the team and you know, some of the players start to understand their role in the team a little bit better because not nece- they're certainly not necessarily playing and they're not necessarily asked to do a job that suits their style. So they're having to change a little bit. So hopefully you can see that. And hopefully, like I said, you know, you just start to see a better performance. But I think the way Norwich set up and I think the way Derby set up, I think they could cancel each other out. But I think it'll be a competitive game. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Um, I don't think Derby uh, can, uh, can keep a clean sheet. And Ian says that everybody always scores against Norwich. So... Um, and then for Derby perspective, along come Norwich. So I'm going to say uh, Derby, uh, Norwich to Derby County too. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. Um, although I think I've probably predicted 2-2 for every game so far. So maybe that's just the championship effect on me. Uh, Ian, Corey, thank you very much for, for joining me, guys. Thank you very much for watching. Um, if you've sort of jumped in throughout this this stream, then it will be available uh, as a video on, on YouTube and all our, our other platforms as well. Facebook, Twitter as well. You can watch it wherever you like. Pinkin.com, the place to go for all the news and views. And of course, we've got our big Friday night preview show uh, tomorrow night. I'll be joined by Paddy Davitt um, from Hub Plus 5. So you can come and join us ask you no city questions um i i probably expect that they're mostly gonna be about transfer speculation so um i'm, I'm braced for that um and yeah technically everything's gone okay i've, I've done this tonight without uh, producer tony for the first time and um i've not pressed a wrong button yet so um let, let's hope we can we can close this off on a high thank you very much for watching
Stay safe and we'll see you again very, very soon.